Halo, everybody. We are back here with another episode of Calling All Halos of Anaheim. I am Sam Blum, co-host here alongside my fellow co-host, Connor Grossman. Hello, Connor. Sam, what's up? What isn't on, man? It has been a day. It's like 3.40 p.m. Arizona time right now, which is, I mean, it feels like Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout probably talked last week, but that's just how things work at spring training. And really, it was only about, you know, eight hours ago that uh, <laughs> every, all hell broke loose. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. you know, the, the media is gone. I mean, it was we had like 50, 60 reporters around the team last year. Now it's down to three. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like Shohei's not there. All of it feels so much more laid back. But then it just the Angels still find a way. They always find a way. It is the impressive. season is the season is well underway and it's February nineteenth. I mean, we before we started recording, I was just talking about how tired I am. <laughs> Not like you know physically tired. It's just like it's just yeah. Something about this just weighs on you in a different way. And and honestly, there's so much to get into today. So we should probably just start you know start doing that. And um, morning started with Mike Trout talking, and I believe it around. 7.40 in the morning, um, and I thought it was interesting because he actually, you know, I mean, and he, I covered this in the column I run on The Athletic, but I, to me, what the most fascinating part was is he deviated from the way he operates. I mean, Mike Trout goes out of his way to not go out of his way to talk, to call people out. Like, he really, really likes to just, you know, get through those things without any sort of drama without any headlines like he knows people are going to write about him but like whatever he can do to minimize that i feel like is typically the way he's gone and um in this situation he actually went out and said hey we need to uh we need to you need to start doing something like we need to sign these guys like this is you know this is how we're going to win baseball games and um he actually also said that he (laughs) did not think angels order arnie moreno was 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 maybe going to go for it Uh, he said you know how already is and and I think we all do at this point. And so, yeah, uh, that was that was Trout. And then, you know, he also talked about maybe wanting to stay with the Angels, but but leaving the door open for possibly being open to a trade at some point if things change. And which is really the first time, at least I've ever heard him ever express even a morsel of openness to being traded. Um, and then, you know, Rendon said what he said about baseball not being a priority. I'm sure if you've listened to this, if you're listening to this pod, there's absolutely zero crossover of people that have not already read Anthony Rendon's comments that also listen to this podcast. But if you haven't, I suggest going to my Twitter and uh, put a full transcript out of, of kind of the at least that portion of uh, his question and answer from this morning about, you know, baseball not being a priority and, and uh, you know, really just not caring necessarily what fans or other people think. And so, yeah, rec- uh, recommend you li- go and look at that if you haven't. Uh, it's kind of required reading to l- really listen to this pod. But, Connor, what are, what are your thoughts on this whole day as someone that was not there and that is, you know, getting caught up maybe as, as everyone else is? Yeah. What a, what a wrecking ball to swing through Angels Camp at 7 a.m. on February 19th. <laughs> um, for those that haven't done the required reading, I have it in front of me. I'll just give you a short snippet of what Rendon said. So he was asked, is baseball still a top priority for you? And Rendon said, it's never been a top priority for me. This is a job. I do this to make a living. My faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. And then the follow-up was, well, is baseball a priority? And he said, oh, it's a priority for sure because it's my job. I'm here, aren't I? 
I'm, it's I love just that. Like... I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> like, yes, you have done the very, very bare minimum. Not all heroes showing up. wear capes, Anthony. Not all heroes wear capes. It's just, it's like the least surprising thing you could expect from this guy who seems to have been incredibly elusive to the press last year. I mean, the no hables ingles or whatever the heck he would say to you guys to avoid giving any comment. It just seems so par for the course. Like, a guy who, like, he's saying these words and you're like, well, dude, why don't you just, why don't you just back off? Like, can you at least even feign excitement for five minutes for your, you know, annual longest interview of the year? Like, is it that hard to just even pretend? To I don't, be- the thing is, I don't want him to pretend. I mean, I don't mind the answers because I don't, I like when people are honest at how they feel. My thing is, I feel like it's gaslighting a little bit because nobody is saying that family and your faith and the things that matter most in life should be more important than playing baseball, right? Everybody would agree with that at a very human baseline level. Of course, your kids are more important. Of course, your family is more important. Of course, your faith would be more important to you than playing baseball. I think everybody can recognize that. But what I think gets lost in that and why I say gaslighting is because that that's not really the question here. Like nobody is saying that that's the issue here. What people are saying is baseball should be a priority, should be a top priority because you're being paid. He's making more than thirty-eight million dollars a year. But even beyond the money, I just you know you 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 sign on, you make a commitment, and it's important to fulfill that commitment to to the the, the most that you possibly can. I mean, we all work, we all do our jobs, and and you know it's the same thing for me and for you, Connor. Like I imagine that there are. There are th- times you don't want to be there. There are times you don't want to be. You just want a day off. You, you know, you want to work. You want a vacation. But like, you know, you make the commitment and you, you have to follow through on it. And so that's where I come. That's where my thing kind of comes in. It's it, it, and why it frustrates me. The re- not even just what he said, but the reaction to it. Like, I agree, it should not be a top priority, but it should be. It should not. It should not be the top priority, but it should be a top priority for you. I think. And and I think that's where this this whole thing just kind of goes off the rails and why. You know, and you combine that with playing an average of 50 games for four consecutive years, you know, not right. putting up good numbers, you know, not communicating with the front office necessarily or the coaching staff or the fans. Then it's just it, then a comment like he, the comments like he made today just get so much worse. And he does this all to himself. I feel like at the end of the day, I don't feel bad for him one bit because he has created the situation. I appreciate his honesty, but I also think he's well deserving mm-hmm. of the criticism that he's gotten. Totally. I think the word you use, commitment, is the perfect way to encapsulate his whole situation. It's just like it does not appear that the commitment is there from the outside looking in. He has every right to wholly disagree with that assessment. But if you're just a fan sitting at home watching the games, not seeing him play, listening to the sporadic quotes from him that make its way through the press, and it just it gives off the you know portrayal of a guy who is not committed or doesn't care enough about the obligation that he's required to show to his employer. Look, like it just, it's just, it's such a strange, peculiar situation. I just feel like we just haven't seen this. A guy who's signed for almost a quarter billion dollars, not, you know, showing the same commitment that you see from guys with far less stature in this game. I just, and I know to your point, you him to just lie, but I can't, just get over the fact that like it would be so i think from a fan's perspective he wanted to lie yeah yeah it would just be so easy for him to say like like, oh you know it's killing me not being out there with the guys like i love this team i'm doing everything i can to get out on the field 
and you know we I hope the injuries heal as fast and as they can like it would just be so easy to say those things and that would be that but instead he just allows the situation to fester and the perception of him the negative perception of him to just continue to snowball and it's february 19th and we're having this conversation and, and then when i say you want him to lie is from a fan's perspective i mean it so you avoid all of this like i mean i think if you're a fan you're just like i just want to see the angels win a baseball game <laughs> it's like right. does this all need to be happening and, and so that's why i'm like if you're a fan it's got to be exhausting and frustrating and it's it's like i don't know i, I don't like again i don't think anybody's asking him to like you know never talk to his kids or it's like nobody's saying that like i just that's what like nobody's what people want is for you to not to grab a's fans after you lose a ball game right like like right. it's just like people want you to act like like really they just want you in the with lineup? professional that's really yeah. all they want they just want you they want to love you I, I mean the way angels fans responded to the way to when he grabbed that fan i thought they really took his side even though i don't i did not believe it was warranted I, he completely acted incredibly unprofessionally in doing in so doing that but everyone wants to like this guy. I think everybody wants to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's given right. you no reason. So if somebody has shown you who they are time and again, just might as well believe them. And, and that's how I feel about Rendon. It's, it's, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's uh, actually probably a good person that a lot of his teammates do like. Um, uh, he's never been anything but like fairly friendly. I mean, he can be like a little snippy and snappy on questions and stuff like that, but he's not like rude. Um, you know, if you can handle it. And, uh, you know, I just, I think he's very smart. I think there's a lot of good things going for him, but he's, he's made a decision for whatever reason to completely alienate himself. And, um, uh, you know, I'm sure someday he'll, he'll retire from this. And, uh, I'm not sure when that'll be. Sounds like he can't wait. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely sounds like he can't wait. I mean, he's made a, he told, I thought it was fascinating that he said he made a pros and cons list about retiring in 2014 after he had just caught called up to the big leagues in 2013 for the first time. So you can tell this is, and that's probably the kind of thing the Angels needed to do more due diligence before putting this guy on the payroll in that way. I mean, you know, I think some of these comments he's, he's made in some form when he was with the Nationals, but it just didn't matter as much because the team was incredible and he was incredible. And now that he's hurt and now that the Angels aren't producing around him, this has taken on a significant spotlight that, you know, I, if I'm if I'm working for the Angels, if I'm, or if I'm like in their PR department or I'm like Perry, I just throw my hands up and I'm like, oh, whatever. It's this guy's, you know, this guy's making his own bet. He's going to handle it the way he's going to handle it. And it's the talk of baseball today. It didn't have to be, but it's what it is. Exactly. It didn't have to be. And yeah, if I'm Perry, if I'm Artie, it's like this mess is already made. Like, I mean, I guess they could look to trade him, but they're certainly not going to get anything of value back and they're going to have to end up paying most of the contract anyway. So really, if you're the Angels, the best thing you could do is hope that he finds a way to stay healthy and produce close to the level that you expected him to. I don't know if they know. could trade him free for, even for free at this point. I really don't. <laughs> I just like, and that, that's not to say that he's not a talented player. I mean, I, I he has not he's not played, and he hasn't necessarily played well when he has played. So I, you know, and he's also yeah. like thirty three right now, and you know, I I just don't necessarily like at this point. I think it's a fair question to ask if he's like the the best person to be starting at third base. Now the Angels have not made any real acquisitions to like supplant him at third. I mean, they could do some maneuvering on the players they currently have. They could put like Rahifo or Drury at third and, you know, one of them plays second, one of them plays third, Shannon plays first and Neto's at short and you maybe don't have to play Rendon every day. But I mean, at the end of the day, I just like, I, I don't know how productive he's going to be, even if he's fully healthy because he didn't show any power last year when he did play. Um, and he didn't necessarily, uh, you know, 
play good defense either. I think he was like leading the team in errors, maybe even through the end of the mm-hmm. season. If I'm, I don't, I, I have to check that. I know he had like eight errors at third and very small sampling a game. So it's, it's just you know at this point I, I don't know what he's going to give you outside of a headache. Um, and that's it a is shame. pretty crazy looking at you know his baseball reference page and you go back to the 2020 COVID season when there was only 60 games and he played 52 of the 60. But just looking at the raw numbers, he's played in the last four seasons. 43 games, 47 games, 58 games, 52 games. It, yeah. It's well, one of those years, I believe, seasons. was the 2020 season, right? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. So yeah. he played the majority of the games in the COVID season, but when you just look at the numbers as from a pure games played standpoint, you look at what he's done with the Angels versus what he did with the Nationals, 146, 136, 147, 156. I mean, he just simply hasn't been there since the COVID season for – so many of these games and, and injuries happen right i think that's that's the thing yeah. that again it gets i feel like it gets gaslit a little bit because it's like nobody's saying like you know at least i'm not saying that he's got a you know if you have injury you have an injury that's get part of getting older is i think you're more susceptible to that and it, it sucks and it's but there are he could have done himself such a favor by just handling those situations with a little more just like you know I don't want to say class or grace, but like, yeah, a little bit more of that. Just like not, you know, just coming out and communicating and not blaming the angels for like misdiagnosing his like bone bruise. Uh, it, to me, it's that's that's where it comes into play. And and then you know, I, I the other day, yesterday, like Ron Washington is talking about him being a leader, and and I, and I, it's the same conversation that we had last spring. And I'm just like, can we can we like I don't not just because you're older, you don't have to be a leader. You don't like his. He has not shown. That uh, and I, I mean I, maybe he operates differently individually with certain guys, younger players. Like I think it's possible that like he's you know he's popular among a subsection of the team, if not a, the whole section of the team. But I don't necessarily know how the way that he behaves in these moments can le- lend him to be a leader. It does. It's if he was if this is how he's gonna you know be public facing, then I think you have to be concerned about him leading because that that's not gonna turn to a, a strong generation of younger players like the really good young players the angels have on their roster that would concern me if i was higher up with this organization did did wash say it in a way where it was like you know anthony Rendon is an established leader in the clubhouse like it was a foregone conclusion like he is a leader or like i hope he is i think it's i have to go back and listen exactly but he just like he said he basically said he wants trout and Rendon to be the team leaders this year and 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 gotcha. um i don't necessarily i mean i think even Trout, I think, is is. I think he's way more equipped to be a leader because he's the kind of guy that really can lead by example, and I think that he does. He, the way Trout operates among the Angels, in my opinion, is like close to perfect. Like he's he's good with fans, he's good with the people, like the the employees of the team. He's you know easygoing. Like he he does his, he does his best to post. I mean, obviously he's had some injuries, but mm-hmm. I mean this is the kind of stuff that like Rendon and Trout are, have had a similar trajectory the last few years of being hurt a lot. But one of them has handled it, in my opinion, exceptionally. And one of them has handled it the exact opposite. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's a good transition over to, to Trout, I think, because, um, yeah. you know, we, we should talk about everything he said because, in, in my mind, that's actually way more important. Um, and, you know, Trout saying that they need to sign free agents, that's new. That's different. Uh, he doesn't usually, like, he, he might say, like, it'd be nice. But this is the first time I feel like he's like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing these guys. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I think he's... This is what we've talked. We've had whole episodes where he talked about him needing to do this more. So yep. I like it. I don't know. Yep, 100%. I was just thinking back to the conversations we've had where 
you know, if you're an Angels fan, you want your, you know, iconic franchise figure pushing leadership, ownership, management in the direction of, like, this team needs to get better because Trout is the only guy on this roster with the influence and the sway, at least the potential influence and sway over those guys to make decisions that, you know, come down to Artie's checkbook. So if I'm an Angels fan, I feel like it is, you know, I don't know if you breathe a sigh of relief, but you're, I, w- I would be encouraged seeing that Trout is, you know, making these efforts and overtures to Artie and Perry. Is it going to mean anything? I mean, that's the real question. Uh, TBD. I don't but, think it will, you know, personally. Right. But I think it, it yeah. better chance that it happens now than it did before. And if you feel like maybe there's a fringe chance that you sign a Blake Snell or something like that, maybe this gets him over the hump a little bit. And then, uh, you know, good for good for Ron Washington because he came out and backed Trout. He's like, he told Mike, keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. I mean, and, and Mike, Mike's got got to realize, man, like, dude, they've already, you've already signed, it's just like, it's like Rendon, like, you've already signed the contract, like, you know, right. you're, you're the GOAT, like, he's right. the, he's the greatest player in Angels history, he's probably the greatest, one of the greatest players, not the greatest player in baseball history when, you know, at his peak, so I don't necessarily feel like he should have any concern over speaking his mind, he's earned that right, and I think he's right. understanding that a little bit even if it's not a position that put, he feels incredibly comfortable in. He's just a kid from New Jersey in a lot of ways. Like, I don't, it, it's not necessarily his prerogative to go out and, and tell people how to operate or where to spend, but, man, like, he wants to win. He wants to win. I think he's recognizing this is it. How surprised were you with his level of transparency when he you know, the line of questioning? I've been in enough trout scrums to, um, to, to feel like I knew what was coming. And I, I wrote it in, you know, the story I wrote today, I quoted from his last few when he's kind of done the same thing, where he, what he says mm-hmm. then and what he said today is way different. And, you know, he also said he was open to a trade if things didn't go maybe as he expected them to or as he hoped them to. And it sounds, I didn't say he would be. He said he'd consider, like, right. you know, reopening that conversation. And so you have to take that seriously if you're an Angels fan, if you're an Angels fan. I was going to say, does that, does that put a, a ticking time clock somewhere over the big A? Um, I think for the fan base it does. I mean, I think if you're in the front office or the ownership, maybe maybe part of you is like, well that's that wouldn't we wouldn't i don't know if they want that to happen or if they would care i don't know if they want to i mean he, he, listen at the end of the day if we're being brutally bl- like blunt here trout's contract is not great moving forward especially for other right. teams i think it's a great deal for the angels to have their you know their guy who they you know drafted and became an elite superstar and have him play your whole career there at the end of the day though he's turning 33 in august he's declined in certain areas of his game offensively and um is not getting any cheaper so right right the the return for mike trout is not going to be anything equitable in the mind of angels fans or probably you know Artie moreno most importantly he's yes. probably going to ask for the world and get uh you know a continent back and that's probably just not going to be good enough if the um, angels like ate the money they could probably get some good players back but they're not you know i i, I don't know how many teams would just take on mike if you said hey you can have mike Trout, but you're gonna you could just have him for his contract i don't know how many places would would do that. The San Francisco, I, San Francisco Giants might consider. Just saying. It's, yeah, it would be a great um, PR. Starving, starving really? for some star power. Um, they are. But you love you love your like, Giants. Because I asking about the time clock. Like I know this is not an apples to apples situation with the urgency the Angels operated last year, knowing it would be Otani's last season before hitting free agency. So it's not the same in that way. But um, you know, I do think it's fascinating that he says, you know, he'd be open to considering something if things weren't going the right direction. It just opens up a whole Pandora's box of questions of like, well, how long is he willing to wait around? How long are the Angels willing to wait? Like, it seems pretty evident. I mean, the Angels 
you could very easily argue would be much better off selling off every asset they can, tearing it down to the studs and trying to build it back up. They're not going to do that by all indications, but you they can never easily do. make the case. Yeah, they never do. You could easily make the case, so that's what they should do. But um, I don't know. As a baseball fan, I'm very intrigued that the door is even slightly creaked open for Mike Trout trade because maybe July 31st rolls around. The Angels, let's say things go as horribly as they possibly could. Like, there's going to be some trade chatter, and because people are going to be pointing to those comments saying, like, well, you said you were open. Here we are. Late yeah, July. no, it's, he's, he's going to be like the new Otani situation. Like, if you want to get traded, right. you're going to be traded? Yeah. Because he allowed for this to happen. Yeah. And, um, and I'm I, not saying he shouldn't have said what he said, but it's definitely interesting because, again, take the easy way out. You say, I'm happy being with the Angels, and, you know, as long as I'm here, I'm going to be helping us try to win as many games as we can. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. But uh, sounds like he went out of his way to say that, you know, all the situation will evolve and my feelings on being here will evolve. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Mike is that I'm I'm very certain that like this was purposeful, right? Like he's he right. yeah, like he knew what he you know, I mean, like he knew he was doing this. He's been on the books for a few days now that he was going to talk today, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that he thought about how he wanted to communicate what he felt, and you know, mm-hmm. it's it's what it was, and and I agree with you. I mean, the whole idea of a rebuild. I mean. I don't know. The I don't so. I don't think the Angels need to rebuild. Like I don't like. They, I don't think big market teams necessarily need to ever go through a rebuild. But that implies that sure. that you're a big market team. And the Angels, I've always I say this all the time. They should be a big market team. You know, even Trout today was like pointing to the fact that our, that the Angels are like eleventh in spending this offseason. And I'm like, like, mm-hmm. and I just to me that shows how ingrained the current iteration of Angels baseball is. And even someone like Mike Trout, where mm-hmm. he's thinking like eleventh is pretty good. But like man, if I'm a, if I'm like if you said that to the Yankees, I don't know they might even be lower than 11th this offseason. But like <laughs> if you said that to like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, like the teams that are you know you expect to spend a lot, the Red Sox who also are pretty low, that would that would be like frustrating. Um, and so I think oh, yeah. That, yeah, and so that's why it's like I'm almost like Mike, like you don't have to like 11th isn't great. This is the Los Angeles market. They should be top five in spending. Right. Be... And I guess when I when I say like tear it down to the studs, what really needs to happen is they need an infusion of young talent in the minor leagues on the major league roster. The quickest and easiest way to do that is to trade any veterans of value, get a bunch of lotto tickets and hope that some of them hit. Or you could argue maybe the easier way out would be completely renovating your player development. because Or destroyed by renovating their effing facilities. I mean, come on. Right. Sure, sure. I mean, there's just renov- they've got so much to do with this organization, and it's just like... Right, the infrastructure, as we've talked about ad nauseum on our podcast, the infrastructure of the Angels is not is not modern enough to succeed just compared to the team just a few miles up the coast from them. And then, you know, I mean, Artie Moreno did his interview this week with a different news outlet, and, uh, you know, there's like two independent news outlets. You know, one of them is MLB.com, and or is one of the ones I'm not counting is MLB.com, and, you know, they're obviously run and controlled by the league. So there's two independent news outlets. Artie Moreno picked the one he wanted to talk to and did not talk to The Athletic. And, you know, it's like I'm not, I'm not here to sit here and whine about that decision, I, I, but I do think it's indicative of, you know, they don't want to talk about certain things. And, he, you know, he knows the questions I'm going to ask him. He doesn't want to get asked it. And so to me it's it's uh, just part of it. Like, you know, the que- uh, questions I would ask – like what, what? One, 
we talk about facilities, I think that's really important. I mean, there, he, he said that they didn't know that they were if they were going to get back to the table on, you know, a land deal in Anaheim. You know, I no no real follow up to that. I mean, I would love to know exactly how he how he looks at, you know, the future there and what that might mean for their future in Anaheim. I'd love to know what he thinks about, um, you know, how Perry Manazian's done. I'd love to. I mean, I wrote down a whole list of questions. There's so many. I mean, there's just like, I don't know. Uh, well, in the, I'm curious. In the wake of today's conversations with Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, what would you ask? Would I would love to I would love to know why he's – yes, yeah, I mean, that was another thing. He talks about slashing payroll, but, like, he didn't really get into it. Like, why is that necessary outside of he just doesn't want to spend money that doesn't feel like he needs to? But he doesn't feel like he – has he watched the last decade of Angels baseball? Does he not think he needs to spend money? I mean, I, I, that's the thing I don't get. I don't know – I, here's the question I really want to ask Artie Moreno. What's more important to you? Getting the highest profit margin you possibly can or winning a World Series? It's a fair question to ask, and I want to know the answer to it. Because I don't, I don't you know, it's starting to well, seem like, it's starting to feel like even Mike Trout's asking that question right now. Sure. And obviously, as with any tough question, ask a person power, there's a big difference in what they say versus what the actual truth is. I'm sure he'd be dismissive of your question, or even if he wasn't, he would have some non-answer answer. But I think the truth is, from anyone who's been watching from the outside looking in for a while, would say that the proof's in the pudding, and it seems like you're more concerned about putting just a good enough team on the field that you'll get fans out to the ballpark. And we've talked about Angels fans being extremely resilient and showing up through thick and thin the angels attendance honestly i don't know what it'll look like this year that's a really interesting question to me because i've seen enough people that are just like over this and i don't think it's just the casuals i don't think it's just the diehards i think the casuals are part of that too at this point it's like well what you know you're like if you're like a fan of of just sports like are you gonna go like are you interested in just like showing up and watching a bad team like i don't i just the don't otani think... departure the otani effect on attendance this year actually is interesting and i know i don't know as a outside fan looking in i'm curious i point to otani as a reason if there is an attendance drop but you know it could just also be the collective buildup of i think it's both years of mediocre baseball i think it's both i think otani is a reason why you buy a ticket and if he's not there mm-hmm. why are you buying the ticket yeah, I don't see a exactly. reason at this point. Yeah. Unless the team's winning. Know. Unless the team wins, and then there's not real. I mean, winning is always the reason. I mean, and even attendance dropped the last two years from the Angels. So I think fans are, are don't, you know, at times didn't really care who was on the roster. I mean, they want to see win. Winning is what matters. It doesn't matter if you sign the Super or it doesn't matter if you, you know, win the mm-hmm. offseason. I mean, it, it's a matter of can you put a winning product on the field, and the Angels didn't haven't done either. So it's, you know, you start to look at, well, which one can you do? Wait, can you at least sign the superstar? Can you? Can you do this? Can you do that? But they're just, just kind of in this no man's land of complete, you know, dysfunction. And I mean, it's it's just a it's just an ugly scene, in my opinion. I do feel like. Do you agree with this assessment, Artie? I feel like spends just enough on the team. The Angels just consistently put out a team that's like just good enough to not be horrible, mm-hmm. but you can't really expect anything. Um, I think he's wasting his money. I mean, to be honest with you, yeah, why he spends all this money on like, like go over the top and be the highest spender, or just back off, and you know, spends two hundred forty-five million on Anthony Rendon, but won't spend a hundred thousand dollars to like do the necessary like things you you have to do with technology in the minor leagues, or 
they have the rec- they have the same like scouting department as mm-hmm. the people that you know the teams that are really successful. I, I mean, we talk about this too much, but so I don't know. It's just I agree with you. I think he's wasting his money by, and I agree that it's just you, you they do just enough and to make it, to put a roster on the field that you'll look at and you'll squint at it and you'll be like, yeah, they might win it all. They might go to the playoffs. This might be like if Taylor Ward does this, if Luis Renifo does that, if you know, Patrick Sandoval is this, and Reed Detmer is that, and this and that. And that's like, yeah, I mean, and, and I expect these guys to get better. I mean, I and I think those guys, all the guys that I just mentioned at least, are good players. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're one, you, you're kind of not accounting for the possibility that people have a down season or someone gets hurt. And you're not have the ba- you don't have the, pe- the backups to necessarily come in and, and do the job. Um, I mean, even last year they had like a Gio Urshela, but now they don't have him, at least not as of yet. So I don't... I did... I did want to quickly bring up that a lot of the advanced projection systems have come out and offered their take on how they think every team in baseball is going to finish. Fangraph says the Angels finishing 78 and 84, and Pakoda has the Angels at 74 and 88. Does that feel about right yeah. versus uh, what you think this team's going to be? I think it's a very fair assessment of where they're at right now. I could see it being better. I could see it being worse. But I think if I were to pick it, if I were, if you were asking me what I think the record is going to be, I'll say seventy-seven yeah. and eighty-five. Yeah, that's kind of that's yeah. that's my prediction based on, and that's a generous one, to be honest with you, um, because to, for being for like just being brutally honest, they won seventy-three games last year and then they went and lost a nine-war player, so mm-hmm. um, you're that's really true. you're banking on a lot of improvements and a lot of health in order to even get to seventy-seven. We I think their bullpen's at... pretty good. I will say that. I do think yeah. they have a good bullpen. And so that is, that is at the end of the day, a pretty important piece. To They were really bad in the bullpen overall as a team. They had some good pieces last year, but as a whole, right. it was a really bad, just a bad showing. And so that cost them a lot of games. You fix that up, maybe. I, I, if I had to guess, like, Perry's operating within whatever he's kind of allowed to do, and he's probably mm-hmm. sitting here thinking, okay, if I have this, if I can, my, the most expensive free agent contract I can sign this offseason is $33 million for three mm-hmm. years he's probably sitting here thinking like well what's the best way to do that should i spend yeah. on one big free agent or should i just go and build an entire bullpen that he feels like has a chance to just dominate everyone and that's probably what he's doing yeah. and i don't disagree with it because if you have if you end up having if these starters end up p- coming through for you in any way and you shorten the games and you have a decent bullpen that's the one route i can see to them having some success uh totally. but as i've told you in the past i'm not going to predict success until they actually show they can do it right and i do feel like you know, I do. I was going to ask, you know, a great bullpen, sure, but how many leads are they going to have to protect? But then if you look at it from Perry's perspective, I would say if you have if you have some pleasant surprises, you guys on the offensive side, if you guys on the starting pitching side, then, yeah, having a great bullpen can really drive a playoff push. Absolutely. Like kind of a, you know, dark horse reason any team makes the playoff is a bullpen that's just good enough. Um even the Texas Rangers, who were on thin ice in the bullpen for a long time, they mm-hmm. figured it out. Um, they did figure it out. But yeah. also, but also, if things aren't going well come July, I view a good bullpen as kind of a get-rich-quick scheme Absolutely. at the trade deadline as a way to just pawn these guys off. Because and I'm sure he's thought about that too. All these guys are one years, one-year deals, two-year yeah. deals. Even yeah. someone like Estevez on the second year of the you know two-year deal. So, totally, I agree with that, and I think there's some good strategy at play there. Um, 
you know, but it's, it's at this point, I mean, it, it's never a good sign when you're like, ooh, this might be a really good trade piece in July and we're, you know, <laughs> right. in February. It's just, I think that's indicative of where things are at. And right. I mean, I was just like, I was thinking the other day, like the most expensive contract that, that Perry signed is Tyler Anderson, the three and 39. That's the most expensive. Con- so he really has not had the freedom to go out and, and get someone big and have like, have it work or not work. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, he, it just gets masked because they have, he has made some ridiculous other decisions, like not ridiculous in a bad sense, but just like huge, right. you know, earth shattering decisions like DFAing Albert Pujols and, you know, Justin Upton and firing Joe Madden and calling up Zach Neto and calling up Nolan Shanwell, like all these decisions that have like, you know, the trades of the deadline to get Giolito, like these are big decisions that have altered the future of this franchise in significant ways, but he really hasn't in terms of a signing been able to do anything like big yeah so yeah and i don't know it just seems like do you view i mean it seems kind of obvious so tani's absence is definitely going to be felt most in the lineup right i mean they just lost a ton of run production right in the middle yeah i mean yeah definitely in the lineup and i don't <laughs> yeah. know i mean it's just like it's everything i don't know maybe there's some like I was thinking of it in the context of, like, you have the big four Boris free agents that have yet to be signed, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Jordan Montgomery, and Blake Snell, the last two being starting pitchers. Like, I find that so fascinating, by the way. Like, is, sure. I think I texted you the other day, like, what does this mean? Like, if if, does Scott, if Scott Boris, like, screws this up, like, what does that mean for him? Because he's really, I think, I don't know. He, I trust him. He's been an elite agent in Major League Baseball for a long time in terms of getting his clients humongous deals. But, like, this is getting risky, in my opinion. Like, this... I, don't you lose a little leverage as opening day gets closer? Like, I don't know if you gain, you might gain it a little bit, but then, you know, I, lo- I like compare it to like buying tickets on StubHub. Like, when is the right time to buy a ticket? Like, because certain times it gets more expensive the closer you get. Sometimes mm-hmm. it gets a little cheaper. It's like all about threading the needle and like, are they threading the needle in the right way here to the point where like you're actually going to get the right offer that you want? Or is it getting get so close to opening day that you start to get desperate and then you lose your leverage? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, the closest comp we have, and it's not really even a great one, is, you know, the, the winter of Harper and Machado. Right. Both of those deals were signed during free agency. But, I mean, it's not comparable in the sense that those guys were both such elite players so early in their careers. They were both, I believe, 26 when they signed their mega deals. And it's a lot easier to push, you know, to convince yourself, at least, that a 26-year-old is worth a mega deal than any of those four players, each who have a lot of holes or perceived holes in their game, or it's just a lot harder to get your Even mind their ups and around. downs. Right, exactly. Like, who knows? I mean, Scott Boris could be pushing for Anthony Rendon's contract for Blake Snell or Cody Bellinger, and you might be like, oh, my gosh. Like, really? Like, I know Snell just won uh, the Cy Young, but... Gosh, he also like put the most guys on base of any pitcher in the league. So. I know he like led the league in walks and stuff. I, I I tend to think Blake Snell is he's like such an interesting career in my opinion. He's won two Cy yeah. Youngs, but he's also like he's, I don't think he's like ever pitched in the eighth inning. Like it's just fascinating. <laughs> I Honestly, mean, the most modern pitcher maybe uh, that yeah. we have modern success story out there. Yeah, just I mean, good enough. It'd be good to get him. <laughs> I mean, there's right. no, I mean, yeah, it just the Angels could be improved by signing any and all of those players. Um, but to your question about Boris, I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I'm willing to believe that if one of these players really, really just wanted to have the anxiety of the winter over and just tell them, negotiate the best deal you can, but I want to be signed right now, I feel like something could be worked out. But clearly these guys are comfortable deferring to Boris playing 
his game on his terms, and uh, that very well could lead to, uh, you know, a March 31st deal for however much, and these guys will take a few weeks to ramp up and then start, and we'll all forget about it for now. But yeah. I don't know. It's fascinating, and it's not a good look for the game overall. This is not. This is not good. I, I agree to some extent. I always, I always find like the whole like, is this good for baseball? Is this bad for baseball? Conversation to be sometimes like, <sighs> it's. I know it's exhausting, but the games yeah. are about to start. The teams are having their first full squad workouts, and some of the best players in the game haven't been signed to contracts just yeah. for pure negotiating leverage. Like it's silly. Like come on. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't Come think on. there's ever going to be. A, I mean, there might. I don't say never, but I think it'd be tough to get the players and the league to agree on like a f- free agent period. All right, I know we talked about it last pod, so we don't have to get into it. But I just, I, I am not a fan of the way things have played out. I am also fascinated to see, you know, the resolution that each of these players reaches and when and if they sign. I mean, we saw Kimbrel sign. He waited until mid-season around the draft. So that his draft pick compensation associated with signing him, I think, was uh, dissolved. So I don't know. There's the rules of engagement are as blurry and unclear as they've ever been, and I guess we'll see where any of these guys sign. And if they sign with the Angels, well, maybe Mike Trout did the trick. Maybe Mike Trout did do the trick. We'll see. But before we wrap up, I wanted to get to one last little topic. I don't know if I call it a fun topic, but I found it interesting um, that uh, like two days ago, Trevor Bauer is posting a YouTube clip. A clip, a whole full video from an Angels facility. And listen, we're not going to get. I have absolutely zero desire to debate or have any conversation about the merits of Trevor Bauer in any capacity, other than to say I think it is fascinating that uh, he somehow managed to get into the Angels spring training facility to shoot a video with all the Angels like logos and everything around there. And it's like, you know, I mean, Michael Stefanik is in the video. Uh, he talked about it a little bit. He said that he was not the person who brought him there. I don't know the whole full story. All I know is, is like, it's just, you can, you can, you can think it's the third day of spring training. And then all of a sudden Trevor Bauer is like posting YouTube clips of him at the facility. That was, I guess, taken weeks prior. And it's just like, okay, like now that's a thing. I don't, it's just always something here. Um, I, again, I'm not going to debate whether or not he, any team should sign him. We're going to not touch that one. Um, but yeah, I just like I just I find it to be something of uh, kind of a, almost like ridiculous. It's like what is why is this happening? Like why is he at why is he at only Tempe? the angels? Yeah, yeah. Only only the angels. And to I, what you told me earlier, in Arizona, you are never further than a stone's throw away from any number of baseball fields. And to pick specifically the angels baseball field in Arizona, it's just I I just don't I course, don't understand it. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. The angels are never boring. <laughs> They're never, never boring. boring. Oh man, well, this has been a this has been a fun one. Um and uh we appreciate you listening here till the end. And uh if you're so inclined and if you enjoyed it as much as we did, uh, if you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it, we would love to get a uh, uh you know, a five-star review and uh, a nice little comment. It does help us quite a bit. And, um, you know, it allows us to continue producing these incredible episodes of Calling All Halos of Anaheim. So without further ado, that'll be it. And um, thanks again for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. We'll get back to a more close, close. Uh, we'll get back into a, a more regular routine as the season starts. So for that, take care. <laughs>